At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hello there. I'm Chuck Todd, and this is the Chuck Todd Cast. So... The week, wow, and it's not done. We're recording this on Thursday morning. We are still waiting on the final House numbers. We're still waiting on Senate results from Arizona and Nevada. Uh, the results might be surprisingly and historic, but if you've been paying attention to the NBC News poll, what we saw in the midterms should not have been a shock uh, that we could have this sort of uncomfortable status quo. So to help us understand how our final poll stacked up against the results so far, I'm joined now by uh, Bill McIntyre, co-founder of Public Opinion Strategies, Jeff Forwith, the senior vice president at Heart Research, the two polling firms behind the NBC News poll. And we've got Dante Chinney, who's director of the American Communities Project and is uh, the brain behind data download every Sunday on Meet the Press. So, Bill, Jeff and Dante, let's uh, let's geek out here on numbers. And, Bill, I want to start with I want to start sort of like as big a picture as possible, and that is. The generic ballot, We have, there's been a conventional wisdom, I grew up this way in the last 30 years, that there was, you always sort of added a couple of points, you know, that the Republicans, you know, Democrats would have to win by a couple of points to hold the House, Republicans could be within a point to pick up the House, and look, that's, we, we may be there. But based on this new map, I think the country is as, this is as honest of a map as we've ever had, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's true. I've done a lot of work um, going back to the 1960s through this decade, looking at the percent you get, percent of vote you get, mm-hmm. um, and then the percent of House seats you get. The 60s, 70s, 80s, and uh, were the worst, where uh, Republicans had three to six point gaps, where you, in terms of you'd win more votes than you got in the House. The maps got better, and I think this map is, in fact, going to probably be the among the fairest. Um, I think the Republicans are going to. Uh, win the national vote by two or three points. I think as a consequence, they will win a majority in the House. Uh, But um, they ought to be at um, 228 to 232 seats. I don't think they're going to get there. And that's the way to kind of measure this very unusual election and a lot of of close elections breaking towards the incumbent party, which is really unique. Jeff, I mean, what's your take on on this map now? Because it does feel as if, you know, what our generic ballot says now is about what the what the split's going to be plus or minus five house seats, right? You know, which which in that can be a statistical, you know, anomaly. Yeah, well, look, I think there are the national map may be fair uh, or uh, reflect uh, you know better reality here, but obviously in there some states, and we're going through this now. The maps are a little different, and so I think that's one thing that, that needs to get sorted out. But I think this election sort of reminded us that the 2018 map, even though we've had redistricting, was really the map. And mm-hmm. I think in 20, I think um, for various reasons, uh, there were different expectations about the possibility of sort of a realigned America. And what this, uh, I think, election taught us is that, um, you know, 
red and blue are pretty were, were pretty locked in in a lot of places and those competitive districts mm-hmm. in 18 and the competitive districts in, in 22 and uh, places like um you know uh, in michigan uh pennsylvania mm-hmm. uh you know that those those competitive races or in virginia uh, you know those competitive races remain the competitive races you know dante our, our battlegrounds i always say it's never static and i used to defend the electoral college by saying hey if you look back through history about every 25 years a, new, a, f- a handful of states roll into the battleground and a handful of states roll out of it. And, you know, over time, it all sort of balances out. You know, it, you know, New York can be a swing state. It has been in, and it may may indeed be one 50 years from now. Um, but uh, we're sort of locked into this current battle set of battlegrounds for a decade, aren't we? It sure feels that way. I I think that there's this other thing going on underneath where these this movement within the within the two parties and party identification along lines of education, and we're seeing movement a little bit of movement maybe along with race and ethnicity, particularly with Hispanics toward Republicans. But I think that this movement that's happening has kind of. I do think that like Florida is moving out, right? It does seem like mm-hmm. Florida is moving out, right? And the question is, some will something else move in? in its place, but it does seem like the states that we were all waiting on 2016, the evening of 2016 and 2020, they look similar. It looks similar last yeah. uh, to Tuesday. I mean, really only Florida really being the, the, you know, I guess you could say Arizona is a, a new addition in yeah. some ways. And, and Georgia, and, right. And Georgia, right. Yeah. And, and then, and all right. So let's talk about why the fundam, why Paul, well, let me ask you this, Bill, do you, do you accept the idea that polarization trumped fundamentals? Or do you believe something else happened? <laughs> uh, guess what? The voters get to decide. And um, uh, I was about 110 million uh, short emailing my fundamentals memo to the actual voters in this election. <laughs> um, so uh, as the fundamental guy uh, who's argued that this is how elections are decided, that's not how this election was decided. Um, there is uh, no way. But that doesn't mean – I mean, I want to defend you here. I, I under, Because – you know, and I and I'm tired of all the the stupid armchair people going, oh, the punditry, this and all this stuff. We had historical context to all this. In fairness, I mean, you know, the fundamentals do matter in politics unless somebody smashes the fundamentals. And I guess maybe one person smashed our fundamentals. Well, I think there's a. a I think I think. Well, number one, I just wanted to say very quickly, we have the worst economic confidence in 70 years. We had 77% in our election night survey saying wrong track. Joe Biden never cracked 45% approval. There is no way by any historic standard since uh, the 1960s to explain this midterm result. So what does that mean? Something unusual had to happen. The unusual thing is abortion did take on more salience in terms of people who voted. Um, and, uh, and number two, uh, I think there is a, ref- there is a rejection, uh, of, uh, of, uh, Donald Trump and some of the candidates he picked in these primaries. Yeah. Um, and, uh, we had, and then, and both parties, look, this is a rebuke to both parties. I don't think, I don't think we know both parties have had a decade where they've had negative ratings. I don't think uh, people are comfortable. And then again, um, it's Jeff's question, but the terrific question in the NBC poll, which again helps explain this. Jeff put it on the survey. It was, hey, do you think, uh, what are your biggest concerns? Democrats mean no change. Republicans are the wrong change. People in the country picked Republicans are the wrong change by two points. And that's there essentially, despite all of those fundamentals, they were unwilling to give the keys to the kingdom, the Republican Party and anywhere nor- near yeah. uh, the normal numbers you'd expect. 
Yeah, I mean, Jeff, as you guys know, because I've been peppering you with with data requests, I, I think we found the swing vote, at least this year. It's people that somewhat disapproved of Joe Biden. Is this a misinterpretation of who these people are? Um, it's certainly, are these America centrist? Are these the real never Trumpers? Essentially, they're saying, look, I don't like Biden, but we're never going over there. Yeah. Yeah, look, some of, some of these people are younger Democrats. These are people, this is the Sanders vote, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we know that even though younger people are Democratic and really you can make a strong case, as Bill has noted throughout the cycle, that without young people, this would not be a close election. Uh, that young people showed up. And so that's part of this. By the way, all on election day, didn't they? That's what that turned out. Hey, who knew there were election day Democratic voters anymore, right? Yes. Well, um, they live in the moment, and I'm grateful for the moment. Um, but, but look, the, I mean, the, the Supreme Court is what smashed the fundamentals here. That's what mm -hmm. that's what happened. And they're fundamentals of midterms, as Bill has rightly pointed out, and they're fundamentals of democracy. And it turns out that people don't like their rights being taken away. And there were mm -hmm. two things that happened here. There were on abortion, and then also there were voting rights, which were really powerful motivators uh, for for Democrats, and it turns out a lot of independents. So, um, you know, yes, it's the economy stupid, but it's also democracy stupid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that we saw over the course of our polling, and this is a credit to you and the polling team to continue to ask these candidate quality questions, mm -hmm. is we ask, you know, what's going to make you more likely or less likely to vote for a candidate? And we asked these in March and May, and then we came back again, and we asked them in our October survey. And guess what? On intensity, uh, intensity for someone who supports overturning Roe versus Wade, and uh, intensity on someone who believes that Donald Trump uh, won the election was even higher against that person than it was earlier in the year. And so, you know, folks who were saying that the abortion faded away, it, it just didn't. It was as powerful as it was at the beginning of the cycle. Uh, I, I was going to say, though, it, it. I think, look, we're going through all the numbers now. It's going to take a while to count everything. We've been here mm -hmm. before, and I know we want everything when we want it, which is now, but it takes time. But I think the 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 story is going to vary from state to state. So I was just I've spent some time doing the Michigan governor's race reporting mm -hmm. on it this year, and I was just looking at the numbers this morning. Now they had the governor's race, but they also had the abortion question on the ballot. Mm -hmm. When you look at the vote production in the state overall, it was eighty percent of the twenty twenty vote production, which is remarkable. They're not mm -hmm. even done kind of that's a remarkable number. But in the college towns in the state, it was higher. It was 82%, 83% in those places. That's unheard of for midterm. Absolutely unheard so of. So the college towns had a higher turnout yeah. in Michigan. Yeah. Wow. And, and they gave Democrats larger margins. So like, so, and, and so I, what I want to do is I want to go to the other states. California is going to take too long to do this, but mm -hmm. the other states that had abortion measures in about and see if we see the same pattern, because this is pretty remarkable. Uh, the Look, I've done midterms before. College kids don't vote, right? Mm -hmm. That was the story. It's traditionally been the story. It changed. At least it changed in Michigan. My my theory is that it probably changed in other states where you had abortion on the ballot as well. I want, I want to look at those closer up. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like, I, I obviously, I dove into Florida for a while to figure out like what, what was this disaster. And Florida is also an outlier in this, in that nobody, nobody voted. They're, they're one of the few states where the overall turnout is down. The total number of votes is down, down by a lot, not a little. Um, so it, it is, and I think, by the way, I think that colored all of our perception of where the rest of the country, because now I think we found out as Florida goes, so goes Florida. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is its own, it is its own Island. Uh, Miami is Hong Kong and, uh, um, you know, here we go. Um, Bill, what do, what do you, what do you want to dive into the most, uh, in the exits? What do you want to go back into our data and say, I want to look at this group again, 
because what I thought turned out not to be that. I don't, I don't want to, I have a, there's a good baseball expression, which is there's only two kinds, but I'm going to apply to polling only two kind of pollsters, um, humble. And then those waiting to be humbled. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I, Do you so think I don't these to, Trafalgar people have ever heard that expression? Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> well, so uh, Chuck, the 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 I don't want to sound. I just I'm saying I feel badly because I don't want to sound like I'm too happy with myself. But I do think that the NBC survey did what you asked us to do, which is you said, look, be on top of the race in terms of the result. Check, we were. Um, if you look at uh, real clear politics, there was, uh, you know, we, we had a little one little twist that said that, OK, the overall congressional preference is tied. But among likely voters, it was one tick towards the Democrats, which is sort of an early warning sign. We had a story that said in the last two weeks there had been a, a surge of Democrat intensity and interest. We were on that story. That's what that was your lead on Sunday. Um, so. Uh, the point is, and then the, we, we told, you know, you did a nice job and we outlined it saying, look, there are two or three storylines that compete with each other. Let's make sure we're on top of each and we can explain them. I think that the polling for NBC did a uniquely good job of preparing for a range of outcomes in this election to explain what happened. And I, I think we have a, we can be surprised at what happened, but I think we have really strong tools to explain it. And I think that uh, those strong tools are in the the pre-election surveys that Jeff and I are using to explain uh, this unusual result. Jeff, what are you looking forward to sort of going back and, and unpacking? Yeah, no, I, I felt, I, I think, thanks. I agree with Bill that I felt really good about where we, where we ended up. And, you know, the, as, as Dante said, the, you know, the, the, the proof is when we get the voter file back and we're able to look at things right. and see how good our model is. That's and, three months. What is that? And that's three months from now. Well, it's a, it's a, yeah, three plus. And yeah. um, we still, we still have elections to run. Right. So, um, so no, I think we feel pretty good. I think the, you know, independence are going to be one group. I think we want to look at a little bit. I think that was a surprise mm-hmm. uh, on the exit poll to see where they were. Um, but it's a credit to, you know, to Bill when we were going through this on Saturday night, Sunday morning and waiting the final data, uh, that you know, the likely voter number we were surprised by, but but you trust your data and you go with it. Yeah, and, uh, made me a little nervous. I'm not uh, gonna lie to you, and, right? You're like, wow, uh, really? Whoa, <laughs> yeah. holy cow! I mean, look at it calibrated, you know. And I don't know, you know, Bill. I, let me ask you: your why were so many smart Republican strategists convinced this was going to be a wave? Well, because. Uh, well, I don't want to be critical of them. Mm-hmm. I just gave you the, the, all these key fundamentals. Uh, and, uh, and I think the other thing that happened, you know, Chuck, I have my famous chart that I've sort of worn out, which is what's your percent of the national vote and what do you get? Mm-hmm. And so I think what happened is I kept saying, okay, we're going to win the national vote by two or three points. That's about a, that's a 20 seat pickup. That's a good, strong night. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what happens is, um, people get cranked up and they get positive data mm-hmm. and then it just sort of becomes a, a reinforcing loop in terms of expectation. And, uh, and the other thing we all have to remember is, um, you know, I, I've been, you know, people spend years doing this for a living mm-hmm. and Republicans have had some pretty lousy cycles and you get good data and you get, you get a little overexcited. Yeah. Uh, but look, this should have been. Uh, this it, with and I'm saying with the national vote that's going to happen, it should have been about a 20 seat pickup, and it is remarkable that's not what it's going to be. So I can't flog. So you look at it as a tactical. So you look at it as, hey, the data was right. The tactics were poor. This was a poorly executed campaign. 
No, I'm no, I don't want to be. I, I think. Well, here's another thing we had to remember, by the way, is that um, this is we've doubled the amount of money that's being spent in these campaigns compared to 2018. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> tactically, we are doing a range of things that no one's ever had money to do before. Uh, but <clears throat> what we're talking about, as I said, is that at some macro level, mm-hmm. uh, like independents, um, they didn't trust Republicans to vote for them by the double digits you'd expect with these fundamentals. Um, and as a consequence, uh, very close seats are, are tilting towards an incumbent party. So, um, uh, so, uh, and then look, uh, you know, we've had, we are, we've had our firm and, you know, we missed for you and the presidential race in, um, 2020. So every pollster's had a miss, but, right. um, I also think that there are some firms out there that, um, you know, have been trying to argue they have a secret sauce. Yeah. And it's sort of been revealed. The secret yep. sauce worked in one cycle. Right. But it's not a secret sauce that is that you can apply to every election all the time and think it's going to be stable and work. Yeah. But Jeff, this wasn't a Republican polling phenomenon over the final weekend. I had plenty of briefings from smart Democratic sources that I trust, good Democratic pollsters, uh, good Democratic strategists, who also said they were seeing what bill thought he what we all thought we were seeing a little bit here um is is this a was this history getting in the way or a modeling issue i think it was a little bit of i think it was more of history and a more of natural tightening and let me back up for one second also just one of the other adjustments a really important adjustment that we made in the nbc poll mm-hmm. post 2020 is thanks to the with to dante uh and from uh, michael roberts partner at public opinion strategies who really focused on 2020 vote by uh, Dante's American mm-hmm. Communities Project area. So we were able to make sure that our rural vote was in line with what it what it really was. Mm-hmm. And that served us, I think, incredibly well this cycle in, in our last poll. But I think what happened in some of the concerns uh, that, I, that you heard from both Republican and Democratic operatives was a natural tightening. And we mm-hmm. talked about this for you that, you know, a lot of the strong Democratic incumbents were able to spend money and resources early on right. to really build up their brand. And then um, the outside groups came in on the Republican side at the end and there was a natural tightening, which mm-hmm. went negative and hit them. And so that's where I think um, what you saw is some of the natural tightening. Mm-hmm. The other thing on a lot of these public polls is I think it's just a good reminder as consumer of poll, consumers of polls is why is this being released? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and, absolutely. Um, no one get no one gets a click to have bended up twelve points. It's not, it's not it's not an, an exciting number. Let me pause there. We'll be right back after a quick break. You're listening to the Chuck Toddcast from Meet the Press. At Bet three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play—from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Now, look, it's it's I've tuned out public polling in a large way, uh, not in a small way. I do. I'm aggressively uh, anti-aggregator. Uh, as some people know, um, and um, look, I just think if you live by the, if you live by those aggregating sites, you're gonna you're you're gonna miss Dante. You consume other data more so than anybody on this call on this podcast. Mm, um, what are so many pollsters getting wrong? 
because I mean, we're, I, you know, I do feel like we've worked really hard on this. I'm pretty proud. Uh, we're not waiting our way out of our problems. You know, we're trying to get it right. Um, what yes. are other polling firms doing wrong? I mean, I think to Jeff's point, uh, I, I've started, look, I've, I am not Mr. Conspiracy Guy. I don't believe in conspiracies, but I have started to wonder this cycle in particular, if some polls are being released in order to skew averages, because some of them just didn't, there, there was a poll. I mean, I texted you about this. Yeah. There was a poll Tuesday morning that showed something in the Michigan governor's race. I'm like, this isn't possible. Well, and this was, poll just, this was Tudor Dixon plus four, wasn't it? No, like, no, I she, re- no, no. She barely led. She led by oh, like yeah. 0.2 points. But then I looked and like, this is the sample. And the sample was 54% democratic and 38% Republican. And the rest were independents. I'm like, if that was honestly your sample and you ended up with Tudor Dixon plus 0.2 points, you must be doing something absolutely insane with the waiting or something <laughs> is going on here because that sample shouldn't yield this right. result. And of course, Whitmer's going to end up winning by probably 11 points. And, right. and I had to wonder if that poll was released last minute to, it, to create enthusiasm, go out and vote. Get out the vote yeah. effort or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered. I did wonder. Yeah. So what going forward, um, I, you know, I, I know there's this narrative out here, Bill, that somehow, oh, polling is broken and this or that. I don't think polling is broken. I think people don't know how to use polling. Well, I, I think that's closer to true. Um, the uh, Look, pollster, look, I think we have to just, again, let's defend, let me defend the, the rough aggregate notion of how polls performed in 2022. In the spring of 2022, polls said we're heading towards a Democratic wipeout. And then Dobbs got leaked, and in a week after Dobbs got leaked, our numbers shifted in a week historically. I mean, flipping 30 years of data about a single-issue uh, right to, uh, abortion voter in the NBC poll. Then the Dobbs decision was made. And then through the summer, uh, the polls reported a general tightening, a movement where instead of Republicans being had, Democrats were had. Um, and then it reported a swing, a swing back to Republicans in early October. And the polls said these things, the, the Republicans are going to win the House and the Senate is too close to call and it's 50-50. And, you know, guess what? I think Republicans are going to win the House and the Senate was is it might could be exactly 50-50 in the runoff. So if you take that aggregate story across 2022, what's wrong with that? That's right. exactly what happened. I completely in this agree. Yeah, no, I completely agree. All right. So let's let's do some simple things. Who's America's swing vote? Jeff, if when you add the simplest question, who's America's swing voter? I, I think it depends on the day, and that's part of. The, I mean, that's part of the. I mean, that, that's part of the ch- challenge a little bit with, swing, with with swing voters is because they really, you know, when you go through a survey or if you do focus groups and you ask open ends with them, they are not consistent, and it mm-hmm. can be it can be maddening. Um, but some, you know, it can be it, so at some place, especially right now, it can be a little bit younger. It's more of a libertarian bent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and that's, I think what it, it was from a democratic point of view, gratified that the turnout was so high, uh, mm-hmm. this midterm, but, but that is the, you know, the, right now the heads of the democratic party are not, are not meeting younger voters in a lot of ways where they are or really, I don't, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you know, so that I think is a, is one, one part of a swing voter, but they are really, um, it, it is, you know, it's like, it's a little bit like jello and I think that's good for the country, but it's also yeah. not. Yeah, I mean, how, how would you say, and maybe I should ask the question better, Dante, which is, um, who are America's persuadable voters? That's a really good question. I mean, so uh, so I, I'm, I'm going to cheat and just say I'm going to change the question uh, because I'm going <laughs> to be like a political politician and say, I just think it's all about margins. 
And I think if you were to ask me what's the most important, so then you're vote, saying it's about whether people vote or not. That that's your that's, swing. It all comes yeah. down to turnout. No, no, yeah. but but I mean, but, but there's this group of voters in exurban places that should be Republican. They should be Republican, and they historically have been largely Republican. And Donald Trump has eaten away at at that, and it's come down five points, four points. You know, some places six points, and that's enough where that changes that changes the equation for everything. Mm-hmm. And Actually, you know, the Ohio, the Ohio governor and Senate race is a really good example here. Like DeWine crushed it, right? J- just absolutely yeah. crushed it. But there was something we saw really fascinating on Tuesday night, which is Delaware County, just north of Franklin, mm-hmm. went, for, went for DeWine by 10 points. But then um, in the Senate race, the early vote had Ryan up 13 points. So that's, yeah. the, that's the same voters. And there's a 23-point swing in there. Th- those voters should be Republican with the right candidate. Yeah. Uh, and again, look, it, yeah, but did you, still by won. the way, did you see the van? You know, I tell you, though, look at the statewide number. It, it, you, yeah. You'd be forgiven if you thought Vance Ryan looked like Trump Biden because it was almost identical. Right. But the thing is, if you could get a DeWine in states like that, okay. I honestly think you're going to win by 12. But it's like I still think that that's you need to find a way to mm. get that that kind of Republican changes the equation, in my opinion. So, Bill, let me let me put it this way. If someone comes to you and hires you and says, I need to know who who the most persuadable voters are in America. What group would you hand them? Uh, I tend to look at, I spend a lot of time looking at pink collar women with kids mm-hmm. who are working outside the house. They are low information voters. They tell us in groups because guess what? They have a job. They're, They're raising, busy. They yeah. have no time to be like listening to the Toddcast, you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, and they are distrustful of both parties. Um, and they're enormously economically stressed. But when those women pick a side, uh, lots of things happen that are good for the winning side. So I look at them, and I think, again, we've talked about this, there's mm-hmm. now a black and Latino male that is is open to the Republican Party in a way that's so different than five or 10 or mm-hmm. certainly earlier in my career. Um, that's, that's altering. Um, and then three, and this is what Dante's talking about. Um, which are white college men used to be the bedrock of the Republican yep. vote. Yep. And there are not white college, especially younger white college men mm-hmm. who are um, who the margins by which how much they vote Republican really make a difference. Yeah. And when they start leaving the Republican candidate, not good things happen to Republicans. And so um, those are those are the those are at least three quick things that come to mind. Mm. Uh, and I, by the way, of course, I'm with Dante. I'm, I was raised in margins matter. Yeah. Um, and but those are three groups, uh, three or four groups to look at that I think start making a real difference in most campaigns around the country. And, and Jeff, how would you how would you advise? Okay, President Biden, you got to think about your reelect. You got to talk to these persuadable voters. What group would you tell them to focus on? Yeah, no, I think, um, well, for, again, I think first is it, before the persuadable is to really build back up the, you know, the base. And I, mean, I think I'm gratified the young people in this, in this, uh, in this election, but I think there's, there is more work to be done there and mm-hmm. to, you know, rebuild with, with, with black and Latino voters. But I think it is that we've seen the sea change in educational, uh, identity, uh, you know, the, the non-college are much more likely to be Republican now. And so I think it is, uh, those, you know, you know, men who are not, who are college educated, I think are really important. And, um, that, that is a place where with, with focus and obviously, you know, suburban parts yeah. of the country are be, become increasingly critical here. You know, Dante, I had a, a, a Republican, um, pollster, not on this call. Uh, so I don't want to, I don't want to imply that it was bill. 
uh, say to me, I said, who was very bullish uh, on Republican chances, I said, what happened? And, and he said, we didn't get enough independents to show up in the experts hmm. that they, that it, and I thought that was it, that it was a, that there were some voters that they thought they would win over. And his theory was they didn't, sh- they didn't turn out any, anything to that. I don't know. So I, I wonder, the excerpts are fascinating to me. I spent a lot of time looking at them and the typology I have. I, I look mm-hmm. in Georgia and that seems like they came out for Kemp. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if they didn't turn out. I just think that like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Bill, you're laughing. Maybe they, so, did. Maybe they didn't like the dog food. They, looked, they voted and they didn't vote Republican by 10 points. <laughs> Thank you. Right. Um, I, and I mean, this is where we have to be candid. Yeah, we. I don't. I mean, Herschel Walker's had a life. I don't want to be mean about his life, but let's let's just be charitable and say that's a that's a flawed candidate. Right. Yep. And if you're in a runoff with a flawed candidate, you anybody normal should and a Republican should have won that seat. Yeah. And then again, Doctor Oz, a very successful career. He's a he served in the Turkish army, <laughs> and said he wasn't going to give up his Turkish citizenship and moved from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. These candidates are here because they were endorsed by Donald Trump to win primaries. You can't lose a seat by a point in Pennsylvania and say, why don't we take the other guy who might have not been living there every day, but was in the high school wrestling team in Pennsylvania, who would have spent money this summer to win that seat. Wow. So, uh, so, so, so what you're saying, it's the candidate, stupid. And so when we start looking at the difference, we've got to take a moment and say, huh, I wonder why we didn't win Georgia outright. I wonder why we had a. Why, I wonder what happened in Pennsylvania. How many Turkish army officers from New Jersey do you think are going to win a, a swing state? It's a niche. It's a niche voting group. It's, it's a niche. Yes, <laughs> they're going to bring both for that guy. All right, let's let's wrap up this way. What is the what is your sense, Bill? You know, I, it was I was obsessed with when we were talking about the somewhat disapprovers. Mark Murray and I were noting. We're old enough to remember it was the sum. It used to be in a Republican primary. Those that identified themselves as somewhat conservative was the Republican swing vote that where they went would tell you who the nominee was going to be. What do you imagine the Republican electorate is going to look like in a, in the presidential primaries in the next two years? What's your sense? Uh, having said all that, I still think Donald Trump is the overwhelming favorite to be the Republican nominee. We have a winner take all system. He's a lock for high 30s to low 40s percent of the vote. And if he runs, he's uh, really formidable, and I think he's the uh, he's think I think he's the person. Um, if you had ranked choice voting in the Republican nominating process, he would not have a chance. Would he? <laughs> no, I don't think that's true either. Yeah. But as a Republican, let me just use this opportunity to tell you how much any Republican hates ranked choice voting. I know. And no one in the Republican. <laughs> By the way, the progressive left is with you. I think the progressive left will go into a coalition with Republicans on that because <laughs> uh, it's it's not good for them either. Hey, but by the way, Chuck, you'd have to ask my, you have to ask us what we're watching and they have to watch what we're watching and binging because I've been preparing for months after my disastrous answer oh. made funny for me. <laughs> well, I will say, I will do that. So make, uh, make that the last question. Okay. Fair, fair, fair enough. Cause you've been preparing. I love that. Jeff, do you have a sense? It's in some ways, sometimes as the outside observer of the other party, do you have a sense of what the Republican primary electorate is going to look like? Um, you know, I, 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 I don't necessarily, although I will say what's really interesting is that in our last poll that we had the highest number who's saying that they support the Republican Party and not Trump. And I think that's really interesting. Although at the same time, what Bill has said is totally fair and right, that 
uh, when you look at people who say, to, say they support the party and not over over Trump, they still it's not that they dislike him. It's right. just they like him less. Yeah. And so yeah. that's something uh, I think to, 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 to look at. I, I think, look, on the primary, um, this these election results, I think, suggest that you know, we'll see how big a 10th Republican primary is. I think that's the concern is um, have they in this, you know, have they lost some of the moderate, the independents who I think for our democracy are critical to mm-hmm. be a part of the Republican primary. I think that's the concern is you would, you know, if they're not, if they're not there, if that younger be, Republicans aren't there, yeah. you end up with a really um, pretty stilted electorate. Yeah. All right. I will uh, take Bill's cue. You, you, you guys are all like me. We've been all things campaigns, all things elections. We're taking, we're starting to exhale. Some people go on vacation. Some people save <laughs> up of stuff that they've been meaning to watch. That's what we do in my house. So Dante, what's your post-election binge? Oh my God. Uh, I just, I, so I needed something to get me through election season. So I binged dairy girls, the third season of that. <laughs> uh, uh, and it helped. It helped. Um, I'm just thankful that college basketball season is arriving for, to take my mind off college football season. And I think I'm going to yeah. spend some time with that. Well, I'd like to empathize with you, but I've had the single worst college football season uh, <laughs> I, I've had in, in a long time, but no comment there. All right, Bill. Uh, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to let you go last since you've been prepared. So, Jeff, I, I want to build some suspense here. Jeff, what's your post-election binge? Uh, so I'm not sure I have a great answer because my college football is worse than yours. I, uh, as a Northwestern fan, we've, we've won one game. We've well, you might one. be right. I didn't think Miami could, uh, could, could, could somehow stack up positively against anybody. <laughs> But you're we've right, won, we won one game. It wasn't even in this country. Yeah. Uh, and then the coach got fired <laughs> for the other team. Yeah. Um, I'm also a Packers fan. Uh, oh, my God. I know. This is awful. So I, we can't get one yard. That's, uh, so I, so um, I have I have I really have nothing to look forward to besides watching uh, Disney movies with our daughters. Yeah. <laughs> All right, William. All right. So you, you, I, you know, when you asked me what I was binging, I picked a lot of shows that were ten or twenty years old. So I got a new one. I got a new one. Damn it! I told you I would. The Honeymooners. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's called The Offer. It's a. It's a oh yeah. By Paramount. Every I've heard of this every one. political person's got to love The Godfather. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Saints look about how The Godfather got made is absolutely fabulous. The Offer, and because I'm stubborn and I will not be cracked by your your teasing me manifest season four it's new it's on netflix yeah so i so i'm, I'm updating chuck it's not because it, it went off a of tv years ago uh the offer i still haven't done that um but i it, everybody raves about it so yeah. fabulous yeah. yeah well i'm i i am uh i'm obsessed with uh with with trying to i i my favorite election of the of the year is what's happened in oklahoma and this and the tribes and all this stuff. I'm mm. convinced there's a TV show to be made about uh, all the money that's being flown in. Like, hey, if you follow the Oklahoma governor's race, what's happened there? It's Ozark meets Succession meets. Uh, it's it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's fan- it's a fantastic <laughs> story. I hope to be the one to write the screenplay. I, I will say, Chuck, try Reservation Dogs. That's a good show. That's a good show. It goes into oh. like the, those communities. It's pretty interesting. Oh, it's it's. I actually think this is this this is one of the more fascinating things happening in American politics in these single party state uh, states. You know, the Democratic Party 
The, the pushback comes from the tribes. In Oklahoma, the Republican Party, the pushback comes from the tribes. And in Florida, increasingly, the counterweight is going to be money from the tribes. In, in all seriousness, there's there's a there's a story happening here. Anyway, this was fun, guys. Thank you. Yeah, you know, right, thanks. As, as fun as polling data can be to people, and for me, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> it's, it's a niche audience. You've been listening to the Chuck Toddcast from Meet the Press. Today's episode was produced by Elias Miller and Matt Rivera. The theme music is composed by Spoke Media. Meet the Press now is live every day at 4 p.m. Eastern on NBC News Now. It is available on demand whenever you want it after it airs. Meet the Press Reports is available to binge anytime, wherever you get NBC News video. That can be YouTube, Peacock, you name it. And then there's the big show on Sunday morning. So thanks for listening. And until we upload again. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.